Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, God, and we just uh, lift this service into your hands, God. We place it, give it completely and totally to you, Father. Lord, I pray that your word today burn in our hearts. God, that the people, this congregation today will not just be hearers of the word, but Lord, we will be doers of your word. God, that this message that you have for us would come alive to us today, that it would speak in us, Father God, and propel us into action, Father, that, Lord, we don't just come and go in one ear and out the other, but, God, it inspires a life change in us today. Father God, that we would um, go and to preach your word boldly and to speak life and be a blessing to our family and friends. God, I pray that you'd use this as a powerful time, Lord, that I would speak your words, heaven-sent words this morning, God, not words from my own brain or my own thinking, but God, words that are on your lips, on your heart, Lord. Help it to um, be clear. Help it to cause us to change. And Lord, I thank you uh, for this opportunity and give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, may you shine through my weakness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as you know, it is Father's Day, and I do have somewhat of a Father's Day message for you. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, a couple months ago, Pastor Ben asked if I would be available this weekend to preach. I knew as soon as he asked me the message that I was going to share with you. Um, and I'm really excited to, to kind of bring it. Um, just real quickly, before we get too deep into this message, I know that people in this room are gonna have a tendency to go, another Father's Day message. And those of us who aren't fathers might just check out, might say, hey, this isn't for me. Dads, you go ahead. This is all you. But um, I want to, um, on the front end, kind of share with you some of the things we're going to be working through. Today, we're going to be talking about passing on a blessing. We're going to look at it in Scripture a few different times where the father had passed on a blessing to his children. Now, having said that, I'm also going to um, bring to your mind that we all have a charge to be spiritual fathers and mothers in here. And I'm going to make a case for that here in just a moment. Um, so I wanted to make you aware of that. We're going to talk about five ways to embitter and crush your children and to drive them from the faith and to discourage them. We're going to talk about um, two different types of blessings where um, one is general and one is specific. So I want to encourage you, for all those who think that this message would not apply to you, I want you to pay attention closely because I believe that God has a nugget of truth for you today. You guys believe that? Amen. Amen. Well, turn with me into your Bibles to Genesis 27, verse 1. Um, and we're going to talk about it. So it's Genesis 27, verse 1. And as I'm doing this, I just want to preface with is we as fathers, we as men of the church have a tremendous responsibility to speak a blessing into the lives of our children and the generation that comes after us. Too often there's a disconnect in our culture that this blessing that we have, that we carry, that comes from God, we fail to pass on. We take it with us to our grave. And uh, today we're going to look at this blessing that we have to share, and we're going to um, hopefully, if I do my job right, it's going to burn within you. I hope that you don't go another day, fathers, parents, spiritual parents, I hope you don't go another day without saying, you know what, I've got to pass this blessing on. So let's look and let's start in Scripture in verse uh, 1, Genesis 27. Um, I'm going to read you the story of Isaac 
uh, passing on his blessing to Jacob and Esau. So let's dive right in. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment and your quiver and your bow and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me the, tasty, the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my, my brother Esau is a hairy man. Why I, why I have smooth skin? What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing his mother said to him my son let the curse fall on me just do what i say and go and get them for me so he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it then rebecca took the best clothes of esau her older son which she had in the house and put them on her younger son jacob she also covered his hands with the smooth part in the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed, handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And now he proceeds to give him his blessing. He says, May God Give you heaven's dew and the earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mothers bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who blessed you be blessed. Now this morning it's easy to get caught up in kind of the family dysfunction of it all, the fact that that uh, Jacob tricked his father Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing. Kind of sneaky. How many of you would say you got a brother and sister? I'm just kidding. 
kind of sneaky. It's a little dysfunctional. Um, and in fact, Jacob's name means one who grabs the heel, which is a Hebrew idiom for one who takes advantage. And if you read the story of Jacob, you'll see all through the Bible, he kind of kept with that all the way through. Even when he fled, when Esau uh, realized that Jacob had stole his brother's blessing, Esau became very angry and wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob left to go with his uncle Laban. And he stayed with his uncle Laban. His uncle Laban kind of tricked him, and he kind of tricked his uncle Laban. And that same pattern continued on through Jacob's life. He was a very interesting character. But God loved Jacob. And Isaac's blessing over Jacob, though it came uh, deceitfully stood, okay, because his blessing comes from the Lord. It was God's will, and God's will, God's promise, God's blessing cannot be removed. See, Jacob got his father's blessing. Now, why would I read you the part about um, him tricking his brother Esau? Why would I just not read you the part of him just getting the blessing? Very simply, I wanted you to notice that there is a blessing that was sought after by both Esau and Jacob, and the mother realized that this blessing was very important. You see, I said earlier that there's a disconnect in our culture about the Father's blessings, that maybe young men don't even think it's necessary to go and ask a father's permission or blessing to marry his daughter. Maybe the sons don't value the father enough to say, you know what, your blessing, your words spoken over my life are important and valuable. Okay, there's a disconnect and I believe that we as a church, the Gateway Church, cannot feed this disconnect, that we as men and as fathers have a blessing to pass on. And it comes from the Lord. You see, Isaac's blessing that he gave to Jacob was not his own. It was a blessing that was given to his father Abraham by God himself. And that blessing stood through time and still stands today. And we as men carry that blessing as being grafted in to God's family. The blessing of God. We need to pass it on to our sons and our daughters, okay? We have to do that. And a lot of times, well-meaning fathers are very good at training and disciplining their children, providing for their needs. However, that is not enough. We have the responsibility to bless them, bless our children and grandchildren, we have the power to both bless and curse our children. And as I said here, and I want parents to be sitting up and paying attention, never underestimate the power of your words or the influence you have over your children. Even when they fight, kick, scream, say they're not paying attention, they say they don't care, they may, may run away, your words have power in their heart. You have the ability to speak a blessing into them. You can speak life into them. And this whole message of passing on a blessing is speaking life into those whom God has entrusted you, to those who you are responsible for. We have that responsibility. And before we go any further, church, I told you that I was going to make a case in this room for everyone in here, for all the 14-year-old girls who say, you know what, I'm never going to be a dad. This has no no relevance, no application in my life. I want to make a case for you to make it very clear and plain to see that mothers, you have a responsibility in raising these child, that you too can speak life and bless our church, the kids of our church, your children, their children. 
You have that ability, fathers and mothers, to be spiritual fathers and mothers. See, everybody can be a spiritual father or mother. If you don't believe me, please turn in your Bible to a book that we're very familiar with, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 16. We have spent a year and a half studying this book. So if you don't know where it is, God help you. Um, <laughs> it's in the New Testament. I know you'll get there. And uh, if you're, so pull it out. Uh, let's start in chapter 4. I want to read to you a verse to help make my point this morning. Starting in verse 14, it says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many followers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. You see, Paul is writing to a group of people that he was not the biological father of, but he himself thought of himself as a spiritual father. Because he helped them find Jesus. He shared the gospel message. Helped them to come to the Lord and to be saved and to convert from Judaism into Christianity. And Paul counted himself as responsible for these people. Okay, he was responsible for them. And he was saying, just as I, your spiritual father, through the gospel message of Jesus Christ, I urge you to imitate me. You see, he felt he was responsible for them to help them, to direct them. And being the youth pastor of this church, I want to charge every adult in this room that the care and training and spiritual development of our children and students is not my job alone, but is our whole responsibility as a church. The children back in Club 252, those are the living, breathing future of the Gateway Church and of the Church of Jesus Christ, Big C those are our responsibility, and every one of us must take, uh, take that to heart and say, you know what, I'm going to stand up and be responsible for these children. You see, I cannot do it alone, and I don't do it alone, because I, I'd like to highlight just a moment the leaders that serve in the youth ministry today. They, I tell them, are spiritual fathers and mothers of these students, that I want them to take ownership of the students in our youth group. I want them to speak life into those students. I want them to take them under their wing. I want them to have students so close to them that they call them at night, that they're the first person they think of when they get in trouble. I need some guidance. I need the Lord. I'm going to call Pastor Bobby, who serves in our youth ministry. I'm going to call Laura, who is a leader and who runs Heart of David. I'm going to call Samantha, who, who helps out and loves students. I'm going to call John of Virginia. I'm going to call these people because they love me, because they take ownership of me they they are a guide to me i tell them you need to take ownership i want you to be more important to those students than me you are their youth pastor and i am here to help you minister to them we all need to take responsibility for the children of our church we all need to have a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter and if you don't like that phrasing, then you need to have a disciple, a Timothy, a Paul. Call it whatever you will. But you need to be training and taking someone under your wing as someone is taking, in, taking you and training you under their wing. Are you with me, church? It's biblical. 
our older ladies should reach out to our younger ladies. How many of you ladies in this room, just curious, have had an older woman speak into your life and help you um, in matters of raising your family when you were young? When you were away from your mother, away from your father, it could have been a neighbor. I think of my mom right here. She told me about a family when I was very young, um, two people named Elaine and Joe, and they reached out and spoke into my mother's life. My mom's from Boston. She moved here to Michigan when she was very young. I, I am older now <laughs> than my mother was uh, when she had me. Um, by a few years. How old were you, Mom? 22 years old. Just a kid. 22 years old. I'm 32. That was, I'm 10 years older than you were then. That's kind of scary. Lord help me. But you see, the thing is, in, in this Elaine spoke into my mom's life. She helped her. You know, in matters of changing diapers, in matters of, of raising her family, in matters of not burning the dinner. My dad's a chef. That was a huge... Uh, you know, scary thing like, oh, man, I got to make dinner for the chef. You know, my dad was chef of a year for, of America. He's, a, he's um, you know, at one point was pretty renowned. Um, and sees, so I can imagine my mom thinking, oh, I got to make dinner. Um, she does very good. I'm, I'm pretty blessed. Both my parents can cook. But, so, but this older lady spoke into my mom's life. And you, older ladies in the church, have the responsibility and the opportunity. I want you to see it not as an obligation, but the opportunity to speak into some of these younger ladies' lives. No matter what stage of life you're in, you can bring somebody in under your wing and help them. Older men, how many of you have had an older man speak into your life and help you along the way? I'm going to hear if you have not had somebody, a, a Paul or a Timothy or a spiritual father, somebody who has taken you in and spoke into your life, then you need to find one. It's important. It's something to be sought after. You need to seek after it because it has value. There's a blessing that rests in it. Okay? Don't try to do these things on your own. Don't try to do these things on your own. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. Matthew chapter 10. We're going we're gonna to see that this message, this thing that I'm speaking about, about being a, a spiritual father or a spiritual mother is on God's heart, and it is very important to him. It's very important to him. It's on his heart. Let's read in verse 41, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, that that person will certainly not lose their reward. You better believe that this is on God's heart. You better believe that this is something God has called you to do and that he takes it very seriously. This is something that is not bound by age. You can have a 40-year-old uh, spiritual child. Did you know that? You can have a spiritual child who may be older than you in age but younger than you in the faith. This is something that, that uh, high school students, you can reach out into, into mentor and to speak into the junior hires' lives. Junior hires, you have the incredible opportunity to speak into the elementary kids' school. Those age students, you have the, the ability to speak into their life, to be an example to them, to guide them, to help them along the way. See, this is not bound by age. 
And if you do not have a spiritual child or a spiritual daughter, I want to tell you it is really to your shame. That this is the responsibility of the church, big C and little C. Our responsibility. That we are to be making disciples. We are to adopt someone. To, to call ourselves responsible for them. To lead them to Jesus Christ. This is on God's heart. Make no mistake about that. If I haven't made my case clear, uh, fast forward eight chapters in into Matthew, into Matthew 18, uh, 1 through 6. I'd like to read this to you. Just eight chapters ahead. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them and said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and by welcome i mean to care for to not turn away to look out for in verse six it says if anyone causes one of these little ones who is who believes in me to stumble this is jesus talking it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea Strong words from our Savior, Jesus Christ, saying, guess what? I'm taking this as serious to my heart. You need to lead and guide these children. Don't cause them to stumble. And we often read that verse and we think of other people's children. Well, if I cause other people's children to stumble, to fall away from the faith, to crush them and bitter them, you know, then I'll have a millstone. What about your own children, though? What about your own sons, your own daughters? What if you cause them to walk away from the faith? Does that same verse hold true? Much, Yes, it does, church. That we, as parents, have an incredible responsibility to train and raise our children up in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you, as a parent, have the ability to both bless and or curse your child with your words and with your prayers. I want to talk to you about the importance of words this morning. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 18.21. Many of you probably know this verse by heart. Proverbs 18.21. We're going to be talking about the importance of words for the next few moments. That no matter who you are, your words you speak to others carry weight. Proverbs 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I understand that this verse holds many applications. But what I want to point out to you this morning, that you have the power with your tongue to both build up and to tear down. In your life, just as your perverse words can hurt your, your spirit, they can also hurt Others, how many of you have had their spirits hurt by harsh words spoken to you, over you? It is a big deal. It is a big deal and probably is, is one of the most important things. God defends the weak. He takes this seriously. 
and you can both tear down and build up your children using your tongues. Turn backwards for me three chapters into Proverbs 15, 4. Three chapters, Proverbs 15, 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You know, it breaks my heart to see children's spirits, spirits crushed by cruel words, especially when it comes at their own home. Breaks my heart. Probably one of the worst things that could happen is a child to have a parent speak words that break them down and crush them. You're no good, Johnny. This is my tough child. This is my problem causer. You see, even if you don't realize that you're speaking words over your child and is going into their brain and into their subconscious and programming them to think that way about themselves. Susie is a drama queen, always causing drama. This person's no good. You know, you can take the same kid and place them into two different family homes. You can place, place that one child, the same child, into a home where the parents love them and speak life into them and say, you know what, you are a good kid. You are called by God to do great things. You are going to be a world changer, Johnny. You are going to do things that you could never imagine. You are going to uh, lead people to Christ. You are going to be blessed and highly favored. And that child, you mark my words, will excel. That child will have a strong view of themselves. That child will know who they are in Christ. Why? Because of the words their parents spoke over them. Now you can take that same child and place them in a different kind of home. You can take that child and place them into a home that is harsh and brutal and who, where they, they are not careful with their words. And that same child can turn out a very differently, can he? And you've all seen it. You know, it happens at home. And we as parents have the ability to speak life into our children. So I caution you as you raise your children, as you lead uh, younger people in the faith towards Christ, and as you disciple them, be careful of the words that you speak over them because they hold power in their hearts and in their minds. And if you don't think that the spoken word is important to God or on his heart, why don't you pray and ask Jesus, who is the spoken word of God? How do I know? Because in John 1, verse 1, it tells me, my Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and He was with God in the beginning. That through Him, all things were made, and through without Him, nothing was made. You see, that's Jesus Christ. That's the spoken Word, and the spoken Word has power. Amen? The spoken Word has power power and you have the power to speak life and death over your children so speak life church let's speak life over our young kids let's speak life let's not take this blessing spoken of in genesis to the grave and never pass it on that you can pass it on and bless your kids bless your spiritual sons your spiritual daughters let's pass it on Let's not crush their spirits. In Ephesians 6, 1, verses 1 through 4, turn with me to your Bibles to Ephesians, if you would for me, please. In Ephesians 6, verse 1, 
This is a, a, a verse that is often quoted by parents, and rightly so. So students, how many students do we have in here? Sit up, straighten your seats. Put your eyeballs on me. I'm going to read you this because it's going to bear fruit, good fruit in your life. You guys ready for this? Okay. Children, obey your parents. Can I get a witness? Amen. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is good. Okay, this is good. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Okay? So he's saying, if you do this, this will happen. All right? And God is a promise. Have you guys ever played the game Liar where you put cards down? You're like, I have three twos, three ones. And you're like, Liar! And you turn it over, and sometimes a person's lying, sometimes a person's telling the truth. God has never been caught in a lie. Never call liar to God because he never lies. That his word is true, this promise is true. And so when I tell you that if you obey your father and mother, and uh, the Bible is telling you that it's a commandment with a promise, that God's going to make good on his promise. Just like he made good on his promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Okay? to Joseph, and, and, and so on. So the promise that he gives you, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now that sounds pretty good. How many of you want things to go well with you? How many of you want long life on the earth? Obey your parents. Parents say amen. All right? And so, what the, but the problem is, is a lot of parents stop right there. Okay, they don't keep reading. Okay, there's a warning. So there's a commandment and a promise for the kids, amen? And then there's a warning for the parents. The next verse, and a lot of times we fail to keep going. So let me read to you verse 4. Fathers, say how many fathers do we have in this room? Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now that word exasperate means to make angry or to annoy. Some, some translations say, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. You see, we have the ability to push our kids so far that they lose it. We can push our kids to the point where they, they've had enough and they can't take it anymore, and the second they get out from your house, they run as far away from you and what you believe as they possibly can. Let that be a warning to us, to me. You know, this speaks to my heart because I'm responsible for a lot of your kids. I don't want to cause them to stumble because I know that it would be better for me to have a millstone hung around my neck. And maybe some of you thought, that'd be pretty good. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that is a warning for us as fathers that we could drive our kids to be bitter. Now, if you uh, fast forward two books in the Bible to Colossians, it goes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Turn to Colossians 3.21, same author, uh, very similar, but he kind of repeats this in a similar fashion, okay? And I'd like to um, read this verse together. Colossians 3.21 says, uh, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become what? Discouraged. Now, that word embitter means to make them feel bitter <laughs> or cause them to feel bitterness. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so there he's saying right here that fathers don't cause your children to be bitter. 
You see, they're watching us, watching the way we live. They study our moves, how we handle ourselves in each situation that we handle, that come into us. And we, as Christians, as fathers, as mothers, as parents, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, could leave a bad taste in our children's mouths for Christianity based on how we live and what we say. So don't cause your children to become bitter. Or they might be discouraged. I don't want that to be anybody in our church. I don't want any of our children to run away feeling bitter. Because the root of bitterness will wreak havoc in their life. It grows roots in your heart. And it actually affects you physically. It is a poison in your body. Bitterness is a serious thing. Bitterness and unforgiveness have to be ripped out immediately. I would say if you're in this room today and you have bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, get it out today. You cannot afford to wait another second. Get it out today. It is that poisonous. It is that vile. It it will wreak havoc in your life. It shows up in every single area. It affects everything. It's not something you can carry around. And it only affects you sometimes. No, it affects you all the time. Depression, hatred, bitterness. So I'm going to give you five ways or five things that discourage children to watch out for. In high school students, junior high students, parents, fathers, mothers, we all can be mindful of these things as we disciple and train those who God has trusted us with. So five ways. Let's start with number one, overprotecting them, okay? Sometimes we think that we've got to hide our children, and we spend so much time keeping them from making choices that when the time comes for them to make the choices, they don't know what to do. You see, you can't keep your child away from the world forever, and so what you need to do is train them and guide their will. You with me? you got to guide their wills, not control them, so that when the time comes and they're on their own, they have made decisions like this before and know what to do. We must guide their wills. You know, it's the homeschool syndrome, and I know a lot of great homeschoolers who turned out awesome, so I'm not saying this across the board, but I'm saying there's a tendency in that world to keep your student, that child, at home so long, and then toss them into the world, they, they just, they don't know what to do. They're overloaded with the world. They're like, and I've seen it in my own friend's life. I went to a private school, and some of those kids, when they hit high school and college, were some of my worst friends. Mother, am I... Am I telling the truth? They're probably some of the worst influences I've ever had, okay? Because they were just going crazy because they've never been able to make those kinds of decisions before because they were overprotected. And so I charge you, church, while you don't want to place them, you know, like, here's some porn, son, make a good decision. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to guide their will, whether young, to respect women, Right? Son, that lady, shorts are a little too short. Why don't we go over here? You can teach them while they're young, and that will progress as they get older. Number two is favoritism. 
Very shortly, we're about to read about Isaac when it was his turn, or uh, Jacob when it was his turn to bless his sons. We all know the story of Joseph, right? The coat of many colors. He was his dad's favorite. Kids got bitter, threw him in a hole and sold him. Okay? That's a bad thing. It's not good. Favoritism can crush your child's heart. And in fact, when when uh, Jacob was speaking his blessing, which we're going to look at in a moment, not all of his blessings he spoke over his children were favorable. You did this, so, you know, this is going to happen. Not all of them were favorable. See, he, he spoke over his children as he was supposed to, but not all of them were great. And I believe that Jacob, being the crafty heel grabber that he was, probably embittered some of his children. See, he wasn't perfect. He was loved by God, chosen by him, but he was not perfect. And there was some dysfunction in that family. You can read it in Scripture if you don't believe me. So, guys, to consistently show favoritism to a child over time will cause the other ones to become embittered, to crush them. See, our love's got to be the same for all our kids. You might... Maybe feel like sometimes I like this one better than that one. But you must never show it. You must always speak life and say they are both different and great in their own way. See, favoritism is something that is subtle and we need to watch out for. Third thing, physical or, for, or, physical or verbal abuse. This is discipline gone wrong. Discipline gone wrong. Where a, a father deals too harshly with their child that the things they do and say to them cross over the healthy uh, barrier of discipline into abuse. And I want to remind everyone that God is saying, for those who crush and embitter, for those who treat their children harshly, it is better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. God is the defender of their weak, and in the own family, he defends the children. We are not to cross over to speak a curse. You're stupid when you do that, Johnny. I can't believe it. You're always doing that. You see a lot of kids, and I see it firsthand, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, and it breaks God's heart. But that's a reality for a lot of students. That's a reality and some of you may have grown up in a home just like that. A home where harsh words, verbal abuses were spoken over you. And today at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar and to break those words and let your heavenly Father speak life into you. Verbal abuse. Let's move on to number four. Number four is too high of standards. Too high of standards. Nothing is ever good enough. No sooner does your child hit it and make it to first place, you're like, yeah, but you could have swung better. I saw you missed that other one. Next time I want you to go to second instead of celebrating the victory that's there now. Too high of standards. This is a big one in the church. We've got to celebrate our kids' victories. We've got to realize that they're just kids. And love them where they're at. 
I have a video. Are you guys ready with that video? Here to help me. I realize I've been kind of serious, so I brought in a couple of people to help me demonstrate and illustrate what this looks like. Go ahead and put your eyeballs to the screen here. Poor Grew. Poor Grew. See, nothing was ever good enough for Grew's mom. He's trying to get her attention, trying to get her to notice him. And she just says, meh, meh. We don't want to be like Grew's mom. We want to say, great job. My daughter this morning came and brought me a Father's Day card. And uh, she's not in this room, so I can speak freely. I mean, it was flipped the other way, and so I had to open it the wrong way. But it was the greatest thing ever. Like, Bobby, you saw me. I was stoked about it. Thank you, honey. This is awesome. He's like, next time, you know, you could write on the other side. No. Why would I do that? He'd crush her. I mean, she walked out of the room skipping like, I did something for my daddy. Did something for my daddy. We have the power to build up our children and to speak blessings. And the last thing I want to point out is using love as a discipline or a reward. You see, our love has to be unconditional. Thank God that God doesn't love us based according to what we do and say. Amen? Amen, that God's love is unconditional for us. That, that you, nothing you can do can make him love you less, and nothing you can do can make him love you more because his thoughts for you, his good thoughts for you, outnumber the grains of sand. And so when we deal with our children, we cannot love them when they're good and despise them when they're bad. We have to have unconditional for love that's constant, trustworthy, all the way through as an example of how God and Jesus Christ loves us. Amen? So those are five things that I, uh, I, I wanted to point out this morning as we're talking about the importance of words, or as we're talking about passing on the blessing to your family. Turn with me in your Bibles back to Genesis chapters 48, chapter 48, and we're going to start in verse 9. You see, I told you that Jacob, after his life, had an opportunity to uh, bless his kids. When he was in his father Isaac's shoes when he was very old and his eyes were failing him and he was about to pass on into the next life, Jacob takes this seriously and his son Joseph brings him his grandsons. This is a beautiful picture. Okay, let's read it. It says, Then Israel, which is Jacob's new name that God gave him, bring them to me so that I may bless them. Talking about his grandkids. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. This is a grandfather kissing and embracing his grandsons. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right, on, on his right towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. 
But Israel reached out with his right hand, put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. <laughs> this is classic Jacob right here. Okay, but he was, you know, that was the Lord's will. Then he blessed Joseph and said, and get this blessing. May the God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name in the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. You see, he prayed a blessing over his grandkids. And what I want to point out to you today is, is there are two types of blessings that we can speak over our kids and grandkids. The first is a general blessing. You see, he blessed his grandkids generally. He didn't say on this day, God, will you open this door and they're going to do X, Y, Z. He spoke a general blessing over his grandkids. You guys see this in Scripture? He spoke a general blessing. And we need to constantly be speaking general blessings that God would bless our children. But there's a second type of blessing that I want to look at today. In chapter 49, uh, we're running out of time, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Jacob calls, so Jacob blesses his sons, his grandson. He blesses his grandsons, and then he calls the rest of his children into the room. He knows his time is coming. And he says, he calls the rest of his sons together and gives them each a different type of blessings. And then all the way at the bottom of uh, uh, chapter 49 and verse 28, it says, All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each one the blessing appropriate to him. You see, the, their father spoke a specific prophetic word over each one of his children. And each one of those kids he prayed out of came the 12 tribes of Israel. You guys with me? He spoke a general or a, a general over his grandsons. He spoke specifically over his grandkids. And I want to charge you, fathers, as you come together in your homes today, as you guys celebrate Father's Day, to speak and pray a blessing over your kids and grandkids that are both that is a general prayer of blessing all the time, constantly. Okay? Then speak a prophetic word over their life. And some of you, I have never spoke a prophetic word in my life. It may seem scary. It may not be something you're comfortable with. But it is something that God is calling you to do to pass on the blessing of the Lord to your kids. So today, as you get together as a family, make it an event. Eat some food, some tasty food, some game. Pray over your kids. Bless them. And make sure you commit to speak life into them. Amen. That's my challenge to you today. Speak a blessing. Pass it on in your families. One that's both general and specific. Let us pray. And Bobby, if you want to come up. God, I, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for this word that you've put in my heart. God, I pray that it was relevant. I pray that it burn in the hearts of the people, God. Lord, that we would be a church that is careful with our words. That we'd be a church that speaks life. That we'd be a church that adopts those without fathers 
uh, to be spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers to these children, to these younger ones in the faith. Help us. Help us today. And before we go any farther, before I open up the altar, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone in this room has their heart right with God. I don't want to make the assumption that everyone in this room has accepted Jesus into their heart already. You know, if you entered this room today unsure, but you just knew God was stirring something in you, that it was time for a change, that you needed something more than this life had to offer, that you needed Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to respond. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you are going to heaven, you know it, you got a relationship with Jesus, I want you to put your hand up. That's awesome. You can go ahead and put them down. Now, if you're in this room and you're like, man, I wanted to raise my hand, I wanted to have that relationship, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Today, I want you to be sure. Today, I want you to shed all that junk, that garbage of your old life, and God is offering you a brand new life with Jesus. If that's you, and that sounds like something you need today, I want you to put your hand in the air. You would say, I need Jesus, and I need him right now. Go ahead. Hallelujah, I don't see any hands in this room today. And that's just fine. But maybe some of you in this room are thinking, man, I've had nothing but junk spoken over me my entire life. That I've been carrying some hurt. That my, I feel like I have some bitterness in me. I feel like my spirit has been crushed. God's here as your heavenly father. And he's saying, I'm going to get rid of all that. Wipe all that garbage away because you are beautiful, my son, my daughter. I love you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. That my heart is so tender for you that I think about you every day and every night. That I'm proud of you. That you are a good and beautiful child and I love you. I believe God is speaking that to somebody right now. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Jesus. The worship team is going to lead us in a song and I know I've gone a little past due forgive me but we got to make time for god to do his work amen so i'm going to open up this altar and i'm going to ask everybody to stand and join in worship and ask god to, to clean you up to fill you up to speak life into you and if you need to come down to this altar for prayer it is open we'd love to pray with you